Welcome to the Nude Attitude, where we shatter the mirrored ceiling, worship our sexy selves, and talk about all things holy. This is a safe place where we will be throwing around confidence like confetti and applauding people flaunting their bodies no matter the size, color, gender, or ability. I'm your host, Madeline Gregg, and we're about to dive into the lady pond or whatever gender you prefer to sink into. So raise your glasses high and cheers to your slut side in this nude revolution. start with a couple icebreakers okay and um it's just around a question it's going to be 10 questions and it's going to be everything from you know your pronouns to porn basically okay yeah so my name is crudy desai and everyone just calls me crudy so you said you're a sex coach Yeah, so I'm a sex and relationship coach. I help um, women and actually even couples um, really kind of find what's missing. And so for a long time, my ex and I were helping couples um, just find out like, why are they, what, what, the bringing that passion back, right? And so whether it be um, helping an individual how to self-pleasure, because a lot of women are scared to self-pleasure. That's so so true starting with like a basic toy, you don't have to go out and buy a hundred dollar vibrator that has pearls on it. You can get a basic bullet. A bullet is your best friend. Yes, it has a wire, but I suggest like I have a waterproof pink little vibrator that stays charged for like months. And you start out with that and you teach yourself and it's okay to have orgasm. So it's funny because I've given some of my past clients and some of my friends advice on what to go do as homework. And they report back and they're like, Oh my God, I had the best orgasm. I'm like, I know. And so a lot of it, is <laughs> I know, given, I know they're, you like, did. I'm, they're like, I'm afraid of like, when I'm having an orgasm, because I feel like I'm going to pee. And I'm like, but you're not going to pee. I promise it's not pee. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fluids. You're it's come like it's fluids and it's normal. Yeah, and so just put like, a towel down. You'll be fine. Exactly. Or get invest in waterproof sheets. Like I have to, but so, then it's a slip and slide. It's a catch 22. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. But you know what? You work your way up to that level. Cause if you've been doing that since you were 21, then you're definitely need to be prepared. But if you're just slowly, entering in the world of self-pleasure and getting comfortable you don't have to tell anybody you're doing it it's your time but set aside that time and helping women to understand it's okay there is no guilt there's no shame over that we as women have needs and it's okay so I help um, individuals women and I help couples and then as far as like on a connection level you know just with relationships in general and you're probably thinking oh well you got divorced yeah but it goes beyond that right and helping you heal and from the fact that it's okay to be um, in a, in a date again. Like, you know, it took a long time for me to understand like what it takes. So going through that and having the experiences, I can help others, whether it comes from, from a sexual standpoint or just in a relationship standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I just, I love helping people and I love meeting new people. And it's one of those things. It's like, I'll show up at somebody's doorstep to, it means like having that face-to-face interaction. I love just getting in the car and traveling so yeah absolutely 
I think also divorce isn't something that you should even be ashamed about because it's a learning experience regardless. And it shows that you do have a voice and people were like open and honest in the relationship enough to say that like my life is worth being happy. And right now we're just not happy and it's not working. Oh my gosh, you couldn't have said that any better because I'll tell you in the moment I found out uh, when I found out I was getting a divorce through a text message in January that uh, we were going to get divorced. I thought my life was over. I thought, you know, oh my God, what are people going to think of me? But I have truly been blessed in learning that lesson from my mentors and just knowing that it's okay. You can heal. There is life on the other side. It may take a while, right? And mm-hmm. that grieving and getting through a divorce is not linear. It's a roller coaster. It's a yeah. up and down for sure. I've had my moments, but all that came with knowing, like you just said, like you have to, you deserve happiness. You deserve to be happy. And the fact that Joe and I were able to see that we are better off as co-parents and not together, because at the end of the day, if we're not happy, we're not helping anyone as well as ourselves, you know? And so the best thing that probably came out of this, and it's hard because it's hard to be alone, but really you're not Mm -hmm. alone. You're kind of living your life now and exploring again. You're just kind of starting all over. It's a new chapter. Yeah, it is growing. And I mean, honestly, you can't, I mean, I say like you can't, but I've been with my husband for 10 years now. Like you can't expect somebody to like constantly grow with you at all times. Like sometimes it's just natural that you grow apart and it's crazy to have that expectation that every single marriage is always going to grow together. That is correct. You hit that one a hundred percent. I haven't even been divorced. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to be, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you said it best. It's, it's not an easy ride, right? There's going to be ups and downs. And so, but as long as you're open about it and you talk about it and, you know, a lot of people, you go through like the hard times to get to the good times too. And And unfortunately, if you don't get through those hard times, unfortunately, that's where you decide that this is maybe the time for us to part ways. And I think it was hard for me to accept because I didn't see this coming. And I've learned so much about myself over the last nine, 10 months that I wish I would have known over the last 10 years. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. And what are your pronouns? Um, just she. What's your sexual orientation? I am straight. What's your favorite position? Doggy style. I, uh, what's the last porn you watched? Hmm, last porn I watched, just some basic BBW, you know, <laughs> just basic BBW porn, I guess. That's I'm so just... boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was kinky bondage BBW porn, but yeah. Hey. Okay. Um, what's the most amount of people you've had sex with at one time? Mm, three people. Okay. Including yourself or like three other people? Including myself. Okay. Uh, that's pretty vanilla. What, (laughs) uh, what do you think your most attractive feature is? My boobs. Yes. What's the future you struggle with loving the most? You know, this is going to be so plain Jane, but it's my stomach, but I've learned to accept it. And, you know, you know, I think just like that's around, it's a, 
a roundabout answer for like all moms, like all moms. It's like, we just struggle with loving our stomachs just because it's like not what we knew before our kid, you know? Yep. So I think that's totally understandable. And personally, that's mine too. Um, what feature do you notice first in someone that you're attracted to? Their smile. So do you like notice their lips and their smile or the way that they smile or what makes them smile or their lips or what? Hmm, that's a good question. I think it's how they smile and then really looking at their lips because if they're kissable, obviously they're going to be good lips. So I definitely look at how their lips are and that okay. like just kind of look, I don't know, it's almost like I look at their face and I look to see like, okay, are those kissable lips? Because then that tells a lot about a person by their lips. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then uh, how do you unwind? How do I unwind? Well, a good old glass of wine in my little Golden Girls cup. And I can usually, I've also learned that you could put a whole bottle of wine in a 30 ounce Yeti. So if I'm not having a really bad night, then I will usually drink one or two glasses. Otherwise, a whole bottle will be consumed in my 30-ounce Yeti. See, I think after starting quarantine, it's extremely easy to just finish a bottle of wine without even thinking about it. I finished a bottle and a half probably three weeks ago and made some very bad decisions that night. So Yeah, I mean, like, you're not driving anywhere, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that alcohol can be delivered to your house now, at, right? you know, at any point, like, well, not after 10 p.m., but yeah, that it can be delivered. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, You're missing out. Well, I know that it can be delivered. I guess I didn't know that it, not after 10 p.m. I guess I'm just shit-faced by then, usually. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what, <laughs> what would you say is your kink? Hmm. My kink is I love I love being tied up. I love being tied up and not knowing what's coming next, being blindfolded, hair pulled, thanks. It's that's like what I desire when so it comes to the rougher kink. stuff. Yes. Okay. Do you want to know mine? Yes, I would love to know yours. It's a good four one K. Oh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, at least you're honest. Sometimes I'm like, just whisper your credit score to me, okay? <laughs> Dang, girl. I know, right? <laughs> I sound like such a gold digger. <laughs> okay, so um, you told me that you grew up in a really traditional household and it was very conservative. Um, and I wanted you to explain that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so I'm Indian. My parents are from India. I was born and raised in Texas. And so in the Indian culture, sex is not taboo because obviously the Kama Sutra originated in India. So, you know, everybody knows that, oh, Indians know about the Kama Sutra. Everybody knows about the Kama Sutra, but it, being raised in this culture of a house where it was not talked about, um, you know, I was curious. And so being in a very 
uh, westernized school system. You know, I had friends, everybody starts talking, especially in middle school, high school, we go through sex education and the curiosity, right? The curiosity definitely eats at you. And you're like wondering, hmm, and boys start hitting on you. And it's not like I can go home and talk to my parents because my parents are like, oh, you're not allowed to date. You're not allowed to do anything. You're going to have an arranged marriage. And I'm like, okay, but I'm in America. Like, I am curious. So I had to take it upon myself to learn myself and kind of with my friends really understand what sex is, how, you know, it was viewed. But at the age of 14, 15, it's still a little too early. You know, you really don't know all the ins and outs of it. So it's more of that I kind of took it upon myself to independently learn. And that's when the AOL chat rooms came out, you know, in high school. And I was like, all right, well, Yahoo Messenger, AIM, ICQ, you know, all those different um, avenues and chat rooms where the typical ASL, where it's like age, sex, location. And I was like, okay, am I really going to go down this path to teach myself what sex is? Because in our house, we didn't talk about it. I didn't talk about it with cousins, didn't talk about it with... Um, anyone in my immediate family except friends or anyone outside of my home. So what about like, even when you were growing up and like identifying it, identifying your genitalia, like what, what would, did they do? Um, honestly, it just, it wasn't talked about. We just, we never really like my mom, like, so obviously, (laughs) For those that know me, know that I just am very big bone. Like my, from my dad's, my dad's side of the family blessed me with big boobs. So I was very curious early on. I literally went from like fifth grade to sixth grade, and I was like, okay, my boobs like sprouted overnight. Like, where, what happened? Yeah. So I was definitely curious there. And my mom was just like, oh, it's normal. It's blame your dad, you know, but dad's side of the family. That's why you have big boobs. But as far as like curiosity, like, you know, when genitalia comes, you know, it was more of those I had to kind of self-learn and just kind of ask my friends but then it was almost like do you talk about it because it was like it was shameful if you brought it up so it was kind of one of those things of like a curiosity in the back of my head but I never really talked about it or never really explored until I got to high school yeah so I guess like what sparked your curiosity in like sex though I guess was it just like something that you were like, I have a vagina. It's obviously used for something. Like what, what sparked that? Yeah. So high school, you know, I had um, a couple boyfriends and my first boyfriend and I really didn't um, explore the sexual avenue. It was more so the kissing and the holding hands. He was very shy and reserved. And I was actually very shy and reserved. Most people may not believe this, but growing up, I was shy. I was an observant person. I was an introvert. And I think towards the end of my high school year, a lot of people didn't know that I was starting to become very sexual. And it was more so with just my uh, boyfriend at the time. And so he was a year younger than I. And with him, I was able to like really explore and, you know, really feel, find out what it meant to be turned on um, mm-hmm. because he would show his attention towards me or if I saw him dancing, you know, I would be very turned on. And then, you know, prom night, we went to prom and we had a limo and, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, okay, what's the, the expectation of what happens in a limo on prom night? So it's all those, those things expectations but then at the same time the reality is you're curious I think you know there's that 
you're wanting to know, is this normal? And so for me, it was, I think I became very aware of my sexual being in like between 11, like 10 and and 11th grade. Mm -hmm. It was like when I became very curious and I was like, okay, what is this? Um, And one of my good friends had came out to me that he was gay. And of course I was very curious and I was like, okay, what does that mean? And, you know, he actually at post high school took me to get my first toy at the sex store. And I was like, okay, that opened the door to like, okay, there's a whole nother world out here. And so he and I would go visit um, the sex store and I bought my first vibrator. And that's when I was like, okay, there's a whole nother avenue of, um, all the different uh, possibilities of toys and so from there that's when I kind of you know started collecting over the time and fast forward to a few years when my mom finds my stash of toys no fucking way and I was like oh my god mortified completely mortified and she's like and of course the shame the guilt everything is just like you could see it on my face and I start crying I'm like mom seriously and she's like you're a lesbian I was like mom just because you found my stash of toys does not mean I am a lesbian. <laughs> she threw everything away. I mean, I think I cried because she threw everything away. Not because I was found out because I had toys in my room, but because she found the stash and threw it away. That was like lots of money of toys. That's so, like hella money. Lots of money. So oh my God. Imagine. My blood would boil if somebody threw all my toys away. Honestly, like what you said, not because of like the stuff, because that's like replaceable, but like, that's expensive. (laughs) Very expensive. So of course I had to go back out. I called my friend and I was like, we got to go get another toy. We've got to get one. I I have needs. I need it. Like I need to replace and start this collection over and obviously get a new hiding spot. So what's your favorite sex toy? My favorite sex toy is the Osaki Twister. And while it may not be found everywhere it's a toy that I tell all women to get if they want to learn how to have orgasms it's the best toy ever and there's no wires it only requires three AA batteries oh so it's an old school battery one it because is, I feel like yeah. all the newer ones they're like all rechargeable so like if you forget to recharge it you're kind of like shit out of luck yeah. <laughs> as long as you have your extra batteries you're good I know, but like the rechargeable ones, you literally feel it die on your clit and you're like, oh, well, that was not fun. <laughs> and that teaches you how to have the best orgasms. Like I feel like I'm multi-orgasmic now because of that toy. Okay, so fast forward a little bit, you got married, uh, not to Indian boy. Uh, you found your own man. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, in the Indian culture, you're supposed to have an arranged marriage. I did not. By the way, uh, can you explain that a little bit? Like, how does an arranged marriage even work? Like, is that from, excuse my ignorance, because I know that is extremely ignorant of me. My white is showing so much right now, but like, it's fascinating and like weird and like, I don't even understand it. So please explain a little bit. Yeah. And so I want to make sure I do it justice, but you know, I think I struggled with it because with me being more westernized and being born in Texas and not being Indian born, the expectation is that in the Indian culture, because there is such a a decrease or a a very small percentage of divorces, you know, the tradition is to have an arranged marriage where your parents or whether it be the auntie, which is the aunt, um, 
selects like a, a group of guys and you have a resume that's called a biodata. There's a perfect show on Netflix right now called The Arranged Marriages that depicts the whole arranged marriage process. That's um, but mind. basically you're like looking at resumes and the guys are looking at your resume and basically a biodata that tells them your age, your weight. And so basically they can tell like pick not pick you because of your weight because of what you look like because of one thing because of the wrong career you picked uh because you're not a doctor because you're not a scientist or an architect so if you like basically are a factory worker they're not going to pick you because of that but um basically the arranged marriage concept has been around for so long that now in 2020 we've moved so far away from it that it, yes while it still happens it's not so prominent anymore um, but in my case, I did have to look at a, a, I looked at a few potential guys and I even went on this Indian, like Indian match, uh, or there's like an Indian match site. It's called shadi.com. And so just like match.com, there's shadi.com. And so I went on there, tried it to say I tried it. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I just couldn't do it because the concept is that you learn to love this person. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like your parents choosing somebody for you. It's like you're choosing somebody out of a pool of people. Possibly, but that's more now. But I'll tell you, my mom and dad knew each other two weeks before they were married. Oh, my God. They went out on a couple get togethers. They went horseback riding for two weeks and hung out before they were arranged. And so a lot of couples, they meet one time, they may go on at a couple dates and then their marriage is arranged. So they barely know each other their honeymoon night. You're literally getting to know your, your significant other from a couple of days before the wedding to the rest of your life. So either you learn to love each other or you learn to hate each other. And or like learn compromise. to tolerate each other. That is exactly correct. Yeah. Learn to tolerate each other. That's nice. Wow. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> okay. So you, you found your own husband who is not Indian, uh, but then you guys got divorced. Yeah. So this is probably the first time a lot of people may be finding out that I'm divorced. Um, I, you know, my ex Joe and I got together in uh, 2006 and we dated um, for a couple years before I even told my parents, I was scared livid. I literally had the getaway car ready when I told my parents I was engaged to a white man. And That's so, so I, I mean, the, the thing is, if you don't get married in range marriage, expect to be kicked out, right? And so I was yeah. expecting to be kicked out. Here I am, the first of three kids. Um, How old were the first, you? I was 27. Oh, so it's not like you were 18 and running off. No, I was 27 <laughs> living at home because I was the first of three. I wasn't allowed to really move out. I didn't go to school outside the state. I went to UofL um, and then to Louisville Tech. And so basically I couldn't leave my house. And because I'm the first, you know, they're more strict on me. I'm the daughter. So they didn't want me to leave the house. I was like, I'm ready to move out. I'm ready to go. And so when we announced that we were engaged, I literally watched in the house scared shitless and was bawling my eyes out. I had to psych myself up, told my parents, my mom cried, my dad laughed. And then we basically told them my mom the next day planning the wedding. So fast forward, you know, and Joe pursued me. I did not, like I literally, Joe found me, he pursued me. Mm -hmm. um, Joe had been married multiple times before. So I was um, one of his, one of his wives. And so, you know, here we are 2020, actually last I mean, year. One not, of his wives, but it's not like you were a sister wife. <laughs> no, 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 not a sister wife. Yeah, sorry, let me clarify. Um, he you went from Indian before. culture to Mormonism. Yeah. That was... <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and so fall of 2019, it just wasn't working out. And we have a wonderful seven-year-old son, and we are going to be the best co-parents for him. And, you know, it was hard to accept that here I am, was the first to break culture, and here I am the first to get divorced. And it was, a lot of shame came over me for that. And I just realized I can either accept this or I can continue to sulk, right? And it's been a healing process, but here I am. Fast forward to August of 2020, and I am just like, happier than I've ever been, you know, but it, it didn't happen overnight. It's been with a lot of support and all the people around me. And I've realized that marriage is definitely um, a learning experience. It definitely it's is. a learning experience. That's <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. So then have you been dating? Yeah, I've definitely been dating. So yeah. I think, you know, post him telling me that he, this wasn't working out, you know, he moved out and there was that low period because we didn't say we were getting divorced right away. Um, you know, I think I kind of reacted and I think I was just like, I had to get it out of my system. Like I have needs, I'm a woman and I'm as sexual as I am. I'm like, okay, I gotta get out there. I gotta, you know, there was a couple, you know, I have a therapist, I had a coach and everybody's like, just get it out of your system. Like go do what you need to do. And so I did, I met guys and um, fulfilled my sexual needs. And so then fast forward to January when he said we were getting divorced. And so I kind of went through a period. I was like, okay, I need to process. I need to heal. And then I finally joined a dating app because here we are. Pandemic happens March. Right? Right? You and only so got like, a couple months of like non-pandemic to get it out of your system. But like that, I mean, a couple months isn't enough time really, is it? It's not, but then, you know, everybody's like, oh, Corona happened, and you're like, you can't date. I was like, who says you can't date as long as you're careful? So I started um, meeting guys, well, talking to uh, men on a couple different apps, and so, you know, I've met several people. I've started putting myself back out there um, and just been really careful because, yes, Corona's in place, but I can honestly say, you know, I've experienced it had it and now recovered from it um not from meeting a guy from mm -hmm. just picking it up somewhere so but at the end of the day it's definitely been um eye-opening to start dating again because here I am 13 years later and starting to date again I'm 38 about to be 39 next week and I'm like what the hell am I doing like what like dating is crazy so how is it different I guess it's like different from even before when you were what 27 they didn't really have dating apps back then, did they? You know, they did, but it wasn't, I mean, Tinder was not a thing back when I was 25, 26, right? And, and now they're like, because I would have been using it. <laughs> I mean, I probably would have been, yeah. And so I was definitely on some apps back in the day when I was having fun and um, promiscuous. But at the end of the day, like now it's like, you've got to be careful because I'm, I've got a son now to think about and I can't just around and just meet anybody but at the same time I'm not looking to jump back into a relationship but I am definitely experimenting and and checking things out and just having the best time I can because I can you know I've one life to live and I'm just I'm more confident now than I was 12 13 years ago that's what awesome. I'm far how do you think you gain that confidence um, honestly, I can thank my ex for that too. And, you know, he loved me for me and accepted me for me. And I'm not saying, but I think he taught me a lesson that, you know, I shouldn't 
nitpick at every little thing. Like we've mentioned earlier, like my stomach, right? After having a C-section, it's hard to lose your lower abdomen. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know what? You can embrace your body and love every part of it, or you cannot. Because if you don't love your own self, how can you even start to love anyone else, right? And while I'm not looking for love right now, I'm just looking to have fun and enjoy life. I had to accept that I love myself for the way I am and people can either choose to love me for who I am or, you know, I'm, I don't have time. Like, I don't have time to play games. Like if someone basically tells me that they don't want to like mess around with me or hang out with me because I'm too thick, I'm a plus size girl. And if you can either take me as plus size or not, right. You accept me the way I am or not. So I've just realized that I finally love who I am. And it's a bonus if I, you know, if I tone down or whatever, but I, I'm a type two diabetic. I'm going to continue to, to deal with insulin resistance. So it is what I, it is what it is. And yeah. I love myself now for that. For sure. So how do you think sex is different from like your younger single self from now as your older single, single self? No offense. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, none, none taken. I mean, I'm <laughs> because you're forty. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm only thirty-eight. I'm technically still thirty-eight. Um, but you know, younger self, I think there was no care in the world, even though I was careful. You know, it's like back then, I truly didn't care. I was obviously probably sixty pounds lighter than, you know, while wow, I was careful. It's just people back then, they, they were more particular, you know, I was, I was dating within my age range. So if I was 25, I was dating either a guys that were a little older or right mm -hmm. at the same age. I never dated someone younger. Cause I was like, Oh my God, they're babies. If I date anybody younger. So it, it just, I don't know. It was just different back then because of the fact that it was just more, there was not much connection there. Whereas I feel fast forward to now, I think it's because I've grown up and here we are 12, 13 years later and I think more and I connect more. It's like, okay, is this person even like, like if they can't carry a conversation, then how can we have sex? Like, is it just sex or is it more, right? And so I think where I'm going with this is that I feel like with the guys now being, or dating now, I'm having a lot of younger guys come for me. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, okay, hold on. I'm like, I had a, I had an age range where I was like, okay, I got to stay within this. And I was like, okay, let it down. Because guys are like, age is just a number, unless you're really hung up on that. I'm like, I'm not. Are you hung up on it? And then I was like, why am I tripping out on the fact that someone's 32 or 33? Yeah. I mean, it's, as long as it's legal, does it really matter? It's very legal. So it doesn't yeah. matter anymore. You're absolutely right. So I'm like, all right. So yeah, I definitely um, met some men that are 31 to yeah. 33. And it's been amazing so can't complain so what about like exploration with sex you like younger versus now do you feel like you explore now more or when you were younger um I probably explored more when I was younger um but I probably explored on a different level and what I mean by that is you know back then it was you didn't 50 shades wasn't out yet so you had oh, like, was it? vanilla it was not out back when you know pre-marriage um and so I, when I thought I was exploring, I thought it was just more of the, some, I was definitely in, intrigued by the kinkiness, you know, like that little bit of the mild bondage and a little bit of the BDSM world, but then that wasn't really exploring back then, whereas now I understand it more, I've educated myself more, and I, you know, I find myself really 
up to par and I know what my body wants. My body mm-hmm. knows what it needs. And so I'm able to communicate that better. Whereas I couldn't communicate that 13 years ago to my partner. Now I can, and I connect better with someone that is able to tell me what they want. And then I'm like, oh yeah, automatic connection. We definitely need to talk and we definitely need to, you know, hang out and see where something develops. And so I feel like, the, you know, being a little older, 38 now, I have that vast array of knowledge and I understand more so I can explore things that I want and I like. Yeah, I feel like a communication is something that like, at least my younger self was like, I never really thought about much while having sex. I was like, oh, well, we're having sex. It's so natural. It's something that like, we all should know how to do. No, that's not accurate at all. Because like, everybody likes different things. Some people just like clitoral stimulation. Some people just like, you know, a vaginal stimulation It's so different for everybody. So you really do need that communication. And I think that's something that definitely comes with age. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Sex is definitely like wine. It just gets better with age. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Um, so how do you think that your upbringing, upbringing and culture has affected the way that you view sex? Um, ooh, so my upbringing and culture, I think I wanted to do, well, okay, let me take this back. I basically wanted to provide for myself what I didn't have, right? And what I mean by that is we didn't have like the conversations about sex growing up. And, you know, I felt like my mom couldn't talk about it. And that like in the Indian, like my just being Indian, like nobody really talks about it. And why is that? Everyone has a voice, you know, whether you're Indian or not, you should be able to talk about it, especially in our culture. And I feel like everybody's kind of like suppressing that, not talking about it. And so for me, I felt like I wanted to be that voice. I wanted to be open. And my friends are always like, why are you so like, how are you so open about this? And I'm like, I don't know, something must have happened where I'm just like, I didn't want to be, you know, and I have a son, I don't have a daughter, but even with my son, and I know some may not agree with me, but I talk openly about sex sometimes. And I know he's seven and I I don't go into details, but he hears me. He's like, mom. And I'm like, I know, but I want to have that relationship where I'm not keeping things from him because at the end of the day, would I want him to hear it from someone else or would I want him to hear it from me? And you so also like, want that like open relationship with him that like he will come to you. And I think that has so much to do with it is like started as a, at a young age with like having open communication and like really setting the boundaries as like you can come to me with anything. Absolutely. And so that's that's the wavelength that I want to portray to my son is like, yes, yes, he's seven and a half about to be eight. I'm not talking details with him. But if he finds one of my toys, I'm going to explain, like, you know, I don't leave them out. But if he accidentally found one of my toys in my bedroom, then, you know, and if he asked me, like, buddy, this is this is what it is. And kind of talk him through, like, maybe like a high level of what it is without getting into details. But I would rather be open with him. And so he comes to me and doesn't disclose it or hide things, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I don't want him going out and feeling like he's alone out in the world and with his friends feeding him information and I want him to hear the right and honest, accurate information versus the false and maybe not so Google. accurate information. Exactly. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, because Google's a scary place even for adults. <laughs> it is. Do you have any advice on like long-term relationships that aren't having sex anymore? 
advice for long-term relationships that are not having sex anymore? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to you've got to find out why is, is it because it's the story they're telling themselves like as a couple, is it because they don't have time? Is it because Mm -hmm. they don't have the energy? Oh, I'm too tired. It's a chore. It's a hassle. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of the day, you know, when you start dating someone, there's that lust period. You're like, you're just having sex all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't keep your hands off of each other. And then all of a sudden we get past the honeymoon phase and we get content, we get complacent. We go our separate ways. We do our own thing. And my advice is you've got to go back. You've always got to keep that spice alive, you know, come up with creative ways, fun ways to be able to like go on a, a like a, a sexy date and wear something sexy. And I, I challenge the women because sometimes it's the women and I know this because I was guilty of it is that we get so complacent. It's like, I'm tired. You know, I'm a mom. I, I have to cook. I have to clean. I've been working all day. I'm the one making excuses. My husband's ready. They're ready all the time. But then again, it could be opposite. So you've got to go down to the root cause of why you're not having the sex. Like, right. You were having it 10 years ago where at some point it stopped. So if you can't re reignite that spark and it's not there, then you've got to start coming up with creative ways. And at that point, you can't force something that's not there. So my advice, you know, with couples has been, you've got to get down to the the root, like the nitty gritty of what the hell is going on? Why are we not sexual? Is there just not a chemistry there? Is there not a spark there? So I challenge with like different fun activities and different fun things to try on each other, you know, or like coming up with like creative kinky, not kinky, but like creative one-off things that they wouldn't do like not like a normal oh go have sex on Sunday night or go do this you know it's more of go do something you've never done challenge yourself outside of the comfort zone get a toy and use it on your significant other you know Mm -hmm. maybe that'll start getting some of that stuff do something you've never done before so that's my advice is it's because you can't force something that's not there yeah it's also like the fact that like we and I know I have this habit but it's like as a mom, I get so incredibly like frustrated at the end of the day. And like some, I'm not like saying it's all my husband's fault (laughs) because it's probably time management too. And just the simple fact that like, there's not 50 hours in the day, but like, you know, there's dishes to be done and clothes to be folded and I'm very type A. So I don't even like the bed to be made a certain way. So I feel like I have to do it all. And it's not factual. He, I could definitely put more on his plate and that like, kills a libido you know to feel like you have to do it all and then go have sex it's like when you get there and you start having you're like why did I do this sooner yeah it's also like getting in the like mode of having sex again like the more you do it the more you will do it you know the more you have sex it's like oh that was fun and we should do that again like tomorrow oh that was fun we should do that again like tomorrow you know Yeah, it's taking that step to doing it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, yeah, reinitiating everything. Cause I think initiation is like just such a hard thing when you've been with somebody for such a long time, you know, cause it's like, not that the butterflies totally go, but it's just the, you don't have like that instant spark that the lust always has, you know? Yep. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I make it sound like I'm really not attracted to my husband. We have sex almost every night. Like, it's not that. Oh, I'm jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lucky you. See, you don't have to worry about that. No, I don't have to worry about that. We're extremely, like, compatible um, in that way specifically. But it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) 
Um, do you have any suggestions for like people that are like newly having sex with like a brand new partner? Yeah, so for, if you have a brand new partner, do not be afraid to explore. And what I mean by that is find out what your partner likes. Listen, it is communication. So yes. And find out what makes them like, what turns them on. Because when you listen to them and they listen to you, you go to a whole new level. You know, it's beyond just having the sex. I mean, you you connect more and the sex is just even better. Like it's mm -hmm. explosive when you're listening. I mean, I found a partner recently where it's like, we get each other, you know, and it's just one of those things. It's like, we're both into similar things and it's because we share that openly. As women, I think we're shy and we're reserved and we're like, oh, I don't want to share too much. But if you don't share it, men do not read our minds. I have had to tell myself they're mm -hmm. not mind readers. So you have to kind of communicate. What do you want? What turns you on? What burns you up? Is there something that you've been wanting to try that you're not sharing? Because they're not going to know if you don't tell them. Mm -hmm. So maybe you just need to speak up and communication is key because that takes you to a whole new level of exploration. Yeah. So how do you think that you can, um, or I guess like people everywhere can break the cycle of like self-worth and what your parents taught you um, to have more of like a voice? Because it sounds like people, or I guess specifically women in the Indian culture, it will seem like they don't have too much of a voice. Am I too off? No, no, you're, you're definitely um, on that path. And, you know, I feel like with some of my close cousins, you know, I've started talking about some of this stuff and it's one of those things that's like, we should be able to know what we're worthy of and talk about it. And I, I'm not saying they need to be able to speak so openly, like go broadcast it, uh, talk from the, the rooftops on social media. But at the same time, it's okay to have these conversations and not to allow that shame and guilt to overweigh and to like kind of consume you that they can't talk about it. And, you know, I think it's the, it's the generational gap, right? It's a society of like my parents age where they're 65 and 70, like mm -hmm. it's taboo. Like we, and I, and I even tell my mom, my mom's like, well, what are you, what are you doing? Like with all this stuff and the coaching, I'm like, mom, I help people help have better sex lives. And she's like, oh God, what does that even mean? Like, I don't even want to hear about it. And I'm like, mom, like if you ask and I'm telling you, but it's like, she makes me feel guilty for even bringing it up. I shouldn't feel guilt. Right. And mm -hmm. I should be able to talk about it. And I think some of the, as we get older and some of our younger generation, they're going to be able to talk about it openly because I think that's the direction we're headed in. And I think it's just the fact that in our culture, even though the Kama Sutra, it's like, you think, see this Kama Sutra and it's all about the positions. It's really not about the positions. It's really more so about like the, it's, it goes beyond the positions. It's about like the, the love and the pleasure and the connection you get from it. Mm -hmm. And so I've even brought up the Kama Sutra to my mom and it's, it, she just totally like, we don't even talk about it. Right. It's one of those awkward conversations. So if I can't even talk about it with my mom, just imagine the conversations like a lot of women or can't even have with their own husbands. Right. Yeah. Or they need to be able to have a voice and have self-worth and knowing that they're important and that sex isn't just a hassle or it's not a chore. Like it's something pleasurable. Like you should have, you should enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, have that conversation with your significant other as to why. I think so many of us hold in why we're not having it or why we're not, you know, wanting to have sex. And then 
the husband goes out and looks elsewhere. I'm not saying that they do, but you know, right. if there's no sex there, or there's no connection or nothing's happening at home. Why there's, there's a root cause there. And so if we can't talk about it openly, um, then there's definitely, we've got to solve for that. Right. And I think a lot of that in the upbringing is because we don't, we felt like we didn't have a, a voice at the table. Like we didn't have any skin in the game to be able to say, Hey, cause men tell you what they want. Why shouldn't women be able to tell you what they want as well, right? So we should be able to kind of approach it in that manner of saying, hey, this is what I want. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you so much for all of this. It was so incredibly valuable. Yeah, of course. I love This definitely gets me, I love talking about sex and just, you know, helping others and just like, it just, it's something I'm passionate about. I love it. Right. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Nude Attitude, a podcast focusing on radical body acceptance and anti-slut shaming from a true hoe. If you want to interact with upcoming episodes, ask questions, or request topics, please find me on Instagram at the period nude period attitude and on Twitter at underscore nude underscore attitude and on my website, thenudeattitude.com. I'm Madeline Gregg. Hope you keep coming back for more.